Hello and welcome to the Rockcast. This is the podcast home for our sermons at the Redemption Outreach Center. I'm Pastor Shane and I'm elated that you're here with us today. And I just pray this, that whatever words are said or things that you hear are truly an inspiration, that the Holy Spirit works through the words and the things that you're hearing, that it would inspire you to draw closer to God, to explore your faith, to dig deeper, to build stronger foundations so that ultimately you could become more like Christ and you can be the church that God has called all of us to be. I hope you enjoy the message. All right, you can get your Bibles ready. Galatians chapter 6. And just once you get to Galatians 6, just stay there for a second. I'll get us warmed up and get us into this. We'll dig into the Word together. I'm, I'm looking forward to what God will do through these stories, which you know I say this often. It's more than just stories. It's actually history. It's his story, as some like to play on words. It's history that he saw fit to write down so we could read it thousands of years later, and it could still change our life. Man. Throughout time, it never its message doesn't dull or weaken or lessen in any way. It's here to change our life. I'm just pumped about that. But if you're in Galatians 6, you can just camp there for a minute, and we'll get to the scripture in just a moment. But let me just share an, an illustration. I thought this was just hilarious. A group of seminary students gathered in the chapel one day as the dean challenged them not to pray for a large church because of the stress and the problems and worries that go with it. And so the next year, one of the students who graduated, he returned with his testimony. He said, I did ask God for a big church. However, I also asked God for a pretty wife. My prayer was almost answered. Instead of getting a big church and a pretty wife, I got a pretty church and a big wife. <laughs> so I'll, I'll ask you just for self-reflection. And please, uh, I'll just ask you for self-reflection. How was 2022 for you? And you don't have to answer out loud. I, because I, I understand and I'm sensitive to not, not all of us necessarily walked the same journey throughout the year. Some of you have had great testimonies and I'm celebrating God and, and celebrating right with you. I give him praise. I love seeing miracles in your life and in the church and all of us should. We should get excited. But I know that some of you haven't seen your miracle and, and you might be still asking for that and you might have had moments of sorrow and grief and you've had to navigate that this year. And so I just ask, you know, I mean, was it a, 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 an unforgettable year or was it a year you'd rather forget? It's a new year, and here we go. We talk about a fresh start, right? Everybody gets their resolutions ready, or you get your disdain for resolutions ready, and you're like, I don't do resolutions, right? It's that time of year, and, and don't worry. Starting next week through the rest of January, we're gonna, I'm going to launch a series called Shape Up, and we're going to get through shaping up spiritually that God wants by following attributes of Christ to be more like him. I'm excited about that, but we had to start here, this year. This January 1, 2023, God, what are you saying to the rock? What are you saying to us? And that's what I've sought God for. And several weeks ago, I feel like God sort of started 
planting the seed and even last night continue to reveal it to me. I look forward to this coming year, not because God said that he was just going to pour out incredible blessings, not just because he said he was going to bust the doors off this place with people, but because he reminded me to be faithful with the mission he gave. Now, I'll be completely transparent with you. At first, I was so disappointed when God told me, be faithful with the mission. I'm like, hang on now. How am I supposed to get up on Sunday morning at the Rock and get everybody all riled up and excited? 2023, here we come. And, and instead of telling you all the amazing things God's going to do and how he's just going to blow your socks off, I'm here and God instructs me to say, be faithful to the mission. Now, in my carnal flesh, I'm like, God, you got, you got to help me. You got to do a little better. I, got to, I need a little more excitement for Sunday morning. But even in, in my studies and in my in prayers, even last night, God sort of just broke my spirit. And, I, and it's like a light bulb finally went off. I'd been reading about these things for the last couple of weeks. You know, we knew we were gearing up for this. And it's like the Holy Spirit reminded me and brought to my memory this, that, you know, if God has a mission for you to carry out, that means that there's some pretty awesome things that he's going to do. He doesn't just go after a mission or give you a mission for it to just be a big nothing burger. Right? When God sets someone on a mission, it's because he's got stuff to get done. And it's not petty stuff that doesn't make history it's actually stuff that's worthy of being written down. That's pretty good to me. And so I'm just here to say, look, this is a, a new year, yes, and I'm excited about it. But God wants to remind us that it's the same mission as we move into 23. The same mission that he's given us to carry, the mandate to make disciples, the mandate to be more like him, to become like Christ, right? Even as, as our mission here at the church, we are going to build strong foundations of faith. We're going to become more like Christ, and we're going to be the church that he's called us to be and that our community needs. The mission is the same, even though it's a fresh new year. And God is saying, if we will be faithful with that mission, then he will bless. He's going to accomplish something in that mission, but it's completely contingent on us being faithful. It's completely contingent. That's why in some of the stories that we'll read, God doesn't lay out all the things, hey, I'm going to do this for you. Elijah, I'm going to do this for you. I'm going to take you up in a whirlwind when your life is over. Just be faithful. Don't get depressed and discouraged when Jezebel's coming after you, right? Or Elisha, he doesn't lay it out for Elisha. Hey, you're going to get a double portion. You're going to get, you're going to get the, uh, the anointing from Elijah passed down to you. God doesn't lay all this out. It's just about being faithful. And then you get to even Jonah. It's about being faithful. God doesn't lay out how he's going to delay the destruction of Judah through his, you know, Jonah just sees that he's going to, to minister to his enemy. He doesn't see the big picture. God doesn't lay it all out. He just says, will you be faithful with the mission that I've entrusted you? You see, that's just, it hit me last night. And finally, like, I was ready. I'm like, okay, God, I'm going to preach what you told me to preach. And then it's like, God, I, I just had to sort of wise up and the doorbell, you know, or light bulb. Oh, you know, when you go to accomplish something, God, it's usually not second rate, second best. It's, it's history worthy. 
And so if you're telling me to tell The Rock that we are to be faithful with the mission, it means that you've got some stuff you want to get done. And God may not be laying that out and telling me specific, oh, he's going to do, he's going to bless, you know, X amount of this and X amount of that. He don't even need to now because we should be excited to hold on to the fact that if God has a mission that he's given us and we are to run with it, he's got some stuff he wants to do and it is going to be good. Amen. Amen. You can look to your neighbor, just say, it's going to be good. All right, Galatians chapter 6. We'll start in verse 6. If you would, if you're there, stand with me in reverence to God's word. Chapter 6, verse 6. We're going to dig right into this. We'll read through verses uh, 6 through 10. We'll pray one last time and let the Holy Spirit move. Verse 6 says, Let him who has taught the word share in all good things with him who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows of the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And let us not grow weary in doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. That's the verse I'm running with this, this year. Verse 10, therefore... Our, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. Can we pray one last time? Lord Jesus, I thank you and I praise you for your word already. I thank you for your scripture, for the history, God, that we can look back on. We can glean some wisdom, some direction on, God. I just pray right now that you would just help us as we, as Lord, I pray you'd anoint me to deliver the message that you've instructed me to share this morning. God, that we would all be inspired, not by shame, but by the scripture, God, by your inspiration that you've written down for us to see and learn from. God, please help us to be inspired by it, God. Please help us to run with the mission, to be reminded, to be encouraged. God, that as some of us might be discouraged, I pray encouragement would just flood our hearts, God, that we'd be able to run with the vision and the mission, God. And those of us who may have had the mountaintop blessings, God, please keep us, sustain us, God, that we'd get through this year. We thank you and praise you. Bless our time together in the name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen. amen. You can be seated. I think you already understand, but the, the point and the big idea today is to remain faithful to the mission God gave you. He'll take it from there. See, I understand and I'm just like you in the fact that we roll into the new year and I say, okay, God, what are you going to do this year? What blessings are you going to pour out? What prayers are you going to answer? And I'm right there with you and I'm asking God, what are you going to do? And I feel like God is saying... Hang on a second. Hang on. You're, you know, it's like the excited child that wants to open the Christmas gifts before we even read the Christmas door. I'm like, son, you better slow down. Let's first things first. And God is saying, yes, it's a new year, but it's the same mission. And I want to pour out blessings, but I need you to be faithful with the mission that I gave you. I want a great revival to come and I want blessings and prosperity, but you must be faithful with the mission I've already gave you. It's just like Jesus says, right? Seek first the kingdom. We sing about it. We read about it. Seek first the kingdom and then all these will be added, right? Seek first things first. Okay. I love that in our study and here, here 
with Galatians, you know, Paul, as he's writing to this group in Galatia, he's basically telling them that they need to keep keep doing what they're doing. Keep going. What if that was God's word to you? In the new year, he's saying, keep on going. I don't know if you've seen the movie Facing the Giants, right, where the coach is looking at the boy. He's blindfolded, and he has to do, I forget what they're called. Somebody help me out. What are those things? It's like the crab walk or suicides. He's got a kid on his back, and basically he's got to crawl the length of a football field, but he doesn't know it. You ought to watch it. It's a Christian film, Facing the Giants. The coach is there screaming at him, just, just don't quit. He's saying, just don't quit. Just keep taking one step. That's all you got to worry about, just not quitting. And, you know, the kid thinks he's going to go, like, I don't know, 10 or 15 yards and ends up going the whole length of the football field. It's it's awesome scene from the movie. And so here we are, New Year, and and God wants to do so much. I know it. But he's saying, like the Apostle Paul tells the churches in Galatia, don't grow weary in doing good. Whatever 22 looked like, don't let that taint what you look forward to in 2023 if you're discouraged or if you think, well, God blessed me so much in 22. Could he really continue to bless me in 23? There's so, I know there's so many different dynamics that we've got in the room. You might look back and be like, man, 22 was rough. God, does that mean that you're just not hearing my prayers? You're not answering what I, I need? No, no, no. Just like the Apostle Paul says, let us not grow weary while doing good. And he doesn't just end it there which is encouraging because he could have probably just ended it there and put a period. But there's a comma. For in due season, meaning it's coming, it is coming, we shall reap if we do not lose heart. But see, there was that if, that qualifier. If, meaning, well, if I do lose heart, if, if I quit, if I just give up on you, God, and God is saying to us, be faithful to the mission. I love it how in, in our study of the churches of Revelation, the several Wednesdays that we, that we took to get through all seven, you look at the two churches that God spoke to that he had no rebuke for. He had nothing bad to say. With Smyrna and Philadelphia. And I love those examples, and we can glean wisdom from them this morning. The first, because they represent both our dynamics that might be in the room. First, you have Smyrna. They were known as the persecuted church. Those that were in the study, you know what I'm talking about. You can help me when I slip up and I say, the, I say them backwards. Smyrna was the persecuted church. They were known for that. But what God says to them is he, he realizes that they're the persecuted church, but they didn't quit. They didn't grow weary. They didn't give up, which is another way of saying you were persecuted. You went through hell and back, but you were faithful. And then we have Philadelphia. Well, Philadelphia is on the other extreme. They weren't known as the persecuted church, but they were known as being faithful with their works. God has nothing bad to say to the church of Philadelphia. He just says, keep on what you're doing. I see your works. They're good. You're the faithful church. You see how the both dynamics? Well, one, they just have been through a rough, and God says, I see that you're being faithful. Keep it, keep it going. Don't quit. Same mission. It might be a new year. Don't quit. It's the same mission. Keep running. And then Philadelphia, well, it wasn't so bad there com compared to, the, you know, to Smyrna, but God still says, hey, I see your works. 
Don't quit. Keep running with that mission. Keep going. And here we are at the rock. Hundreds of years later, different continent. And God's saying, I see your works. Don't quit. I see your good works. Keep them going. Because I kept wondering throughout the, the study, as we got into the near, I said, okay, God, which of these are you saying is, is like the rock? Because I personally believe, and I know there's different, different perspectives on this, but I believe that the seven churches of Revelation reflect any church that could, would exist in modern day because the whole purpose of the seven churches is to provide correction when needed or to provide wisdom in these two cases where there was no correction. He commends them and says, keep going. I think that's all for us and that's why it's so important that God says to John to write it down and why it's so important, so much so that God says that just by even reading the book of Revelation, you're blessed. Just food for thought in case you've missed the last few Wednesdays. I just, because it's, it's no coincidence that God is leading us on this journey of learning about these churches, getting to the new year, and then he's saying, okay, okay, rock. I see your works. Don't quit. Don't be discouraged. Keep going. Some of you might be discouraged. And we're going to look at a couple characters here throughout the Bible in case, in case being a, a, a church doesn't connect and hit home enough. We'll look and narrow it down right to an individual level. And I, I will kind of personify the message through these people. We'll start with Elijah if you want to go there with me, you can. But 1 Kings chapter 19. First Kings chapter 19. I made the mistake of not putting my little sticky note, so I got, oh, I got to find it with you. 1 Kings 19. We're just going to read a few verses. I'm inspired by stories like this. And you probably already are familiar with this story. So if you look outside this building, you'll see the plaque and that this was Mark Car Mar Carmel. is how it was founded, the name Mark Carmel. And here we see the story that comes from that, where Elijah had just God had used him in such a great way through the prophet of overcoming the prophets of Baal. That's in chapter 18 if you want to read it later. But here in 19, after this amazing feat that had just happened, God had just done an incredible thing through Elijah's obedience and through Elijah, an absolute miracle had just happened. Again, homework for you, chapter 18. But verse, uh, chapter 19, verse 1, I'm just going to read a few verses here. This is where we're at. And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done. Again, because it had been spectacular. Also, how he had executed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, So let the gods do to me and more also if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. And when he saw that, he arose and ran for his life. 
He went to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. Verse 4, but he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a broom tree. And he prayed that he might die and said, it is enough now, Lord, take my life, for I am no better than my father's. I don't know about you, but there have been times where I can relate to Elijah. And sometimes I know we get frustrated. When, when we read the story like an outsider, we get frustrated with Bible characters, don't we? We're like, Elijah, what is wrong with you? You just had this amazing victory. God just used you in, in a miracle. And yet, here, this woman is upset with you. And now that'll be a separate message another time. This woman is upset with you, and it has done messed you up so much you want to die. I'm fighting hard not to. <laughs> he done messed, she messed you up. And so when we're on the outside looking in, we get mad at Elijah. We're like, what is wrong with you, Elijah? But now if we jump in the story with him, don't we do this so often? We see God do a miracle in someone's life in, or even in our own life. And then it comes time for us and, and, and things are getting rough. And we're like, God, just kill me. This is the worst. This is, I can't take it. You're, are you going to answer my prayer? Are you going to get me through this? I feel like not. God, just please take me. Beam me up, Scotty. If you're there, you know, Star Trek. Right? It, it, on the outside looking in, we kind of want to slap Elijah. But when we kind of put ourselves in his shoes, there are times in life when we're, we fall into that discouragement. Can we, we'll just label it as discouragement. I can relate to that, where you just feel at times discouraged. Like, yeah, God, I know you did all these things, and I, I see the miracles. I've seen them. I see what you're doing. But right now, I just, I'm just discouraged because now I feel like there's just so much coming after me, I don't know that I can take it. Right? And God wants him to be faithful with the, the, the mission and I won't read the rest of it. I'm giving you all kinds of text. You can go home and read. And, you know, you, we can talk about it. You've got some homework. But 1 Kings 19, here we go. F verses 1 through 4, we see he wants to die. And you could continue reading on. God is telling him to be faithful. To be faithful to the mission. Get up. Get going. And what does Elijah do? Well, he finally stops the pity party, and he does. And I, and I say that lightly because, I mean... At times, I'm right there with Elijah. If I can be just honest, transparent, there's times I'm right with Elijah. I get depressed and discouraged just like anybody else. And I say, God, just, we just do something. To, right? Can anybody relate to that? Or maybe it's just me and it's, it's all right. But God says, be faithful. Here we go. I'm going to continue to remind you. It's a new year, but it's the same mission. God's saying, be faithful to the mission. Go ahead, get up. It's going to be all right. I totally understand the discouragement. I can't imagine how discouraged Jesus must have felt and obviously overcame when he, I mean, if you saw the last episode of Chosen, since Brother Aaron brought that up, he's trying to, he finally gets around to telling his hometown that, I am the law of Moses, right? I love that scene. You got to watch it. I am. I'm God. I'm the Messiah. I can't imagine the discouragement of how people would have responded, right? 
Jesus overcame that discouragement. You could continue in, in the scripture, uh, this book, First Kings and into Second Kings. You can read even about how next in line you've got Elisha. And I love that whole dynamic of him and Elijah because Elisha hadn't been offered anything yet by Elijah in terms of a blessing. All Elisha knows is Elijah and him are traveling. Elijah looks over to Elisha, and I'm giving you the paraphrase cliff notes, okay? There's a lot of scriptures and words, okay? Elijah looks over to Elisha, he says, stay here. God wants me to go, go on much farther. Elisha's like, nope, not happening. I'm going to stay with you. I am with you. I will be faithful to you. See, Elijah hadn't offered up anything yet. It was faithfulness. Well, now, if you continue to read the story, I can't imagine what it must have felt like for Elisha. We'll just sort of help you kind of think of it. If you're sitting where you are in your pew and God decides to come get me with chariots of fire and take me straight to heaven right in front of your eyes, would that not be amazing? I think you would never forget that experience in that moment, right? Okay. That's what was coming for Elisha. He had no clue that that was coming. He also had no clue that he would be anointed with the blessing. The mantle would be passed down from Elijah. That would go to Elisha. But it took and required the faithfulness of, nah, I'm going to stay by your side. I'm going to keep on with you. That, we go back to Galatians where he says, if you do not lose, do not grow weary in doing good. For in due season you will reap if you don't lose heart. Okay, so here we are, new year, same mission, don't lose heart. And if you have, here's what I'm telling you, so did Elijah, but he didn't stay there. Don't stay there. If you are discouraged, I relate, I can connect. Elijah would be one of those examples, I get it. Don't stay there. Ask God for help, pray, get somebody. Tell them, man, I just need prayer, I'm just not feeling it. I need prayer today. Can you do that? Because God has a mission. And then I'm telling you, the if is so worth the in due season you'll reap, it is absolutely worth it. Because God, when he does something, when he has a mission, it's just, like I said, it's not second best. It's not a piddly little mission. It's usually bad to the bone. But it requires faithfulness. Hopefully the message is getting through. The last character I want to look at, and this is where we're going to wrap up, is Jonah. Jonah didn't want to carry the mission forward. I, I love it when you look at the beginning of Jonah, right off the bat, God tells him what to do, where to go, and what does he do? I especially like it because I'm a nerd. I like to look at it on a map. Your first clue that something is wrong in the story is the fact that he gets on a boat. If you look on a map, Nineveh does not require a boat to get to. Okay, I didn't get to church with my boat today. I took a car. Okay, it's like, you know, me coming to church, hopping in the boat. Uh, that don't work. That, you ain't, that's, you're obviously going the wrong way. Jonah, the, the book of Jonah opens up. God says, go to Nineveh, which is landlocked to where he was in Judah. All he had to do, it's like north, uh, northeast, just travel. No boat required. He hops on a boat because it was the opposite direction. Right? And now, again, when we're on the outside looking in, we're like, Jonah, you fool. What's wrong with you? 
What is wrong with you, Jonah? But now when we jump into his shoes, it's a whole different ballgame. Everything changes. And I'll be quick in this, and, and I meant to read some of the scriptures, but I'll let you search them out this week, giving you lots of homework to start the new year. But Jonah, you can read this. Let me tell you what's just so amazing about the story of Jonah. It actually has nothing to do with the whale. It's unfortunate the big fish, the whale, whatever you want to call it, has totally distracted us from the, the real lesson we should be learning, right? We all know of Jonah and the big whale, right? Pardon me for saying this, but I really could care less about the big whale. It was a means to an end. It foreshadowed Jesus' resurrection. It, it served its purpose to redirect him. But what's more interesting to me is not whether or not, you know, a man could survive in a whale for, for three days and nights, right? It was a miracle, right? We, you can't raise yourself from the dead either, and Jesus did it, right? New Testament, right? I'm not concerned with, yes, a whale could swallow a man. Um, no, you couldn't survive not being alive. Some have tried to, that don't even bother me because it's God. It's a miracle. The story would be worthless to me if you could just explain it away scientifically. It's not a miracle. It's not God. It's, it'd be some kind of science, right? So, okay, we're all on the same page. I, I really don't care about that. What I care about is what God was trying to do through Jonah. See, Jonah wasn't scared. Jonah was, was, must have been a very brave and tough guy because you see that example when he gets on the boat and the storm's raging. He doesn't like cower from the situation. He's, you know, he's like, yeah, guys, it's me. Go ahead and just throw me over. I'm not that tough. I'm staying in the boat. Don't you dare throw me overboard. Uh-uh, we're going to work something out with God. We're going to all pray together. We're going to seek the Lord. We're going to change his mind. Don't throw me. So obviously Jonah wasn't, he wasn't afraid of the mission. What you see at the end of Jonah, when he, he, he looks at God, when God does the amazing thing, Jonah, God tells Jonah, go to Nineveh and minister to them. Basically tell them that destruction is coming if they don't repent. And Jonah doesn't want to because he doesn't want them to repent because he, and he says it at the end of the book in chapter four, he says it, God, I knew it. Didn't I say this before I even left my homeland? You would have mercy on them. And you did. That's why he didn't want to go. Now, again, we, we look from the outside in at a story and we say, Jonah, that's just so heartless. How do you call yourself a prophet of God? Right? Put yourself in his shoes. Nineveh represented the, the, the pinnacle of the Assyrian Empire, which would have been the enemy of Judah. It would have been, they were known for their cruelty, for their terrorism throughout that region. They were some nasty folk. And they represented a threat to Jonah's homeland. Now you can probably connect and be like, you know, if I was Jonah, I don't think I would want them to repent either. Go ahead, God. Let it rip. Take out my enemy. Don't we say that too often in our minds? Right? We say, God, get my enemy. Get him. Get him. Get him. You say you get to get him, not me, so go ahead. Right? 
But what Jonah doesn't realize through this journey, through the mission, God wants to send him on a mission. And we don't have time. I love the fact that once God's given you the mission, he's going to make sure that you, are, you take whatever detour you've got to to get back to it. I love that. But through this, Jonah didn't even realize he was delaying uh, the persecution of his own homeland by them repenting. And being saved, it delayed the destruction of Nineveh, but also, too, delayed conflict with Judah and Nineveh, which is amazing in and of itself. Jonah had no idea what God wanted to do. All he knew was that, God, you're going to forgive them, and I don't want you to do that. They're a threat to me. Jonah didn't get to see the grand picture of what God wanted to teach him and show him through the lesson. That brings me some hope and inspiration because there's times where I, I'll just, this is just me and God, and I'm saying, God, you didn't answer this, and I don't understand why. I've been asking you for this, and, and you seem to be saying no, but I don't really like that answer. I, I really have a hard time hearing no. And it's kind of like how God looks at Job and says, where were you when I flung the stars into space? I don't have to lay out my whole plan for you. But know that I'm the same God like in the New Testament that says that I work all things for the good of those, right? I'm that, I'm that God. And like the Apostle Paul says to the churches in Galatia, he says, don't grow weary in doing good. I see you're discouraged. I, think, I see things are tough. But in due season, you will reap if you don't lose heart. Do you see what God's wanting us to do in this new year? Try to keep it simple, short, sweet. It's a new year. Yes, God, bless me. Bless my church family. Bless my family. Just an abundance of blessing. And God's saying, he's not saying no by any stretch of the imagination. He's saying, be faithful with the mission. I can't, which... To me, I, I'm so encouraged. I was so depressed. Let me just take you on the, let's chart out my emotions here. Started, God said, be faithful with the mission instead of like, hey, I'm going to do this in 23, tell the church and work. Okay, I was depressed. I'm like, God, what are, I, these people are going to be so disappointed in their Sunday message. They're not going to leave inspired. And then God says, and then I'm like, I start, to, the light bulb goes off. I'm starting to feel some joy, some encouragement. Wait a minute. You don't do anything halfway or second best. If you've actually given us a mission and you're telling us to run with that mission, it is worth accomplishing and it means that some pretty good things are coming. Amen? Amen. It means God wants to do something. God is good. So I'm not here to promise you anything other than what the Apostle Paul has already said. In due season. Yes, I absolutely claim it. We will reap, but we've got to help one another. It's interesting in that same, uh, the same letter, Paul is talking about the fruits of the Spirit. He talks about bearing one another's burdens in that same chapter, about bearing one another's burdens. If we can help each other, if we can bear one another's burdens, likewise, if we can enjoy in each other's blessings, we don't hear that so much, Yes, we're going to bear burdens, but I'm also going to rejoice with you with everything I've got. When God blesses you, I'm going to praise him with everything I've got for it. If we could not lose heart, God wants to do something just amazing in this new year.
And if you need some sort of promise, I can at least tell you, when you look at all the churches in, in Revelation, the seven churches, God ends with a promise to each of them. And it has to do with their eternal reward. So at a minimum, you've got an eternal reward. But I know that God has things even here and now that he wants to do. But let me leave you with this last illustration. It's called a wrong email sent. And this will wrap us up. So button up the message and we're going to run with what God wants. A, Minion, a Minneapolis couple decided to go to Florida to thaw out during a particularly icy winter. Or you, you might as well just say they were in North Carolina last weekend. They planned to stay at the same hotel where they spent their honeymoon 20 years earlier. Because of their hectic schedules, it was difficult for the, the couple to coordinate their travel plans. And so the husband left from Minnesota first to fly to Florida on Thursday, while his wife planned to fly down the next day. Well, the husband checked into the hotel, and there was a computer in his room. And so he decided to send an email to his wife. However, he accidentally left out one letter of the email address and sent the email without even realizing this error. And meanwhile, somewhere in Houston, a widow who had just returned home from her husband, from her husband's funeral, he was a Baptist minister and he was called home to glory following a heart attack. The widow decided to check her email expecting condolence messages from family and friends. But after reading her very first email, she screamed and hit the floor and fainted. The widow's son rushed into the room, found the mother on the floor, and saw the computer screen, which read this. To my loving wife, subject, I've, a, I've just arrived today. I know you're surprised to hear from me. They have computers here now, and you're allowed to send emails to your loved ones. Since I've just arrived, I thought I'd send you an email. Everything has been prepared for your arrival tomorrow. Looking forward to seeing you then. Hope your journey is uneventful as mine was. P.S. Sure is hot down here. <laughs> Whoo, Lord have mercy. You can stand to your feet. Look, I know God has something in store for you in the natural, in the physical. But at least you could hold on to your eternal promises if you needed something for right now. If you need something, God, give me something tangible, a promise. Then just look at the promises to the church in Revelation. He says, I'll give you a new name, right? He says, for those that overcome and are faithful, you'll be pillars. I love all, just look, look it up. I shared it on Facebook for those that have that. You can see the, the list of promises. They're all eternal promises. You could hold on to that. But let's also know that New Year, same mission, God wants you to run with it. This is what we'll wrap up with. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, it says this, The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness. Can anybody relate? God, could you speed it up a little bit? Let me continue. But is patient toward you. Not wishing that any should perish, any, even your enemy, even Nineveh, but that all should reach repentance. Man, God has a mission that he wants you to run with. And at times, I get it. We get discouraged like Elijah, or we get, we don't fully understand God's plan, and so we kind of get angry with him like Jonah. Like, no, I don't want you to do that, God. Don't ask me to do that. 
but God wants you to run with the mission. That's what he's asking this morning. And so if you would, let's just take just a few moments to pray. You can pray at your pew or pray in the altar. We say, okay, God, help me to understand this mission that I'm supposed to run with. God, I may not feel all that ready to run. But God, you're telling me that I'm supposed to not grow weary in doing good. It means that I'm supposed to continue whatever good deeds that I'm doing for you. You're telling us that's what I'm supposed to do. That you've got a mission you need me to carry out. God, please help me to do that. Can we just pray that? Thanks so much for listening today. I just wanted to put in a quick plug here. Please connect with us. So you can find us on Facebook at The ROC Ministry. Again, just connect with us so that we can stay in touch. And please like, subscribe, share with others if you feel blessed so that we can continue sharing these sermons. God bless.